Hello and welcome to another episode of the Richards Report podcast. I'm Ted Richards and with me this week, we have a friend of the show, Six Park co-founder and co-CEO Pat Garrett. Once a quarter, we catch up for a chat about the markets and what's been going on. At the re- time of recording, it is the 25th of September. This episode, we touch on the upcoming US election and some of the views out there for what it could mean for the stock market. It wouldn't be a proper podcast in 2020 if we didn't touch on COVID. So we tick that box and have a chat on a chat about the continued impact of COVID on the economy and the stock market. We also touch on some of the recent trading activities saw last week and touch on the perils of trying to predict the future. And if we haven't learnt that, that lesson this year, we're never going to learn it. As always, the usual disclosures, this podcast is just for educational and informational purposes only. It does not qualify as financial advice. Uh, The conversation is just of a general nature. People may hold positions in the companies discussed and opinions expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests may not represent the opinion of my employer, Six Park. With no further ado, my name is Ted Richards and here is my discussion with Six Park co-founder, and co-CEO Pat Garrett. You're listening to The Richards Report, where we will speak with investment experts from around the country. We will cut through the jargon to allow you to make more insightful investment decisions for your future. This is The Richards Report. Pat, welcome back to The Richards Report. Ted, always a pleasure to be here. I'm glad you live within five kilometres and... Um... We're more than uh, whatever we're supposed to be apart at the moment. Yes, uh, just so you're aware, Pat and I, uh, we live in Victoria. And um, uh, at the time of recording, as I mentioned in the intro, Friday the 25th of September, uh, in two days, we've got, we've got a, an update from Daniel Andrews. Who knows what that'll be? And um, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, you, you may know what <laughs> lies ahead for us. Um, Pat, last time we caught up, we did flag concern that we had for the MLB, the the Major League Baseball uh, over in the US, uh, and their approach to running a a season compared to, say, what the NBA was doing, um, the American Basketball League. Well, 48 hours hours after we we released it, the Miami Miami Marlins had 14 players catch COVID. Might have been a bit aggressive on there. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, We shouldn't laugh at it. No, we shouldn't laugh. The the games were postponed, so... and. um, uh, the reason why I want to mention this is to kind of give ourselves a, a, a tick for that. Before we get into the main discussion points for this episode, Pat, I always read out the necessary disclosures, uh, as I do for every episode. And to be honest, you know, they take up half the half the intro of every episode. Highly regulated industry. Uh, yes, it, it is. But what I, what I don't get, I can give you a tip on a 10-leg multi paying 500 to 1. And it's Pat's happy days. I, I might put in the uh, gamble responsibly, yeah, and we're we're all good. But I give you a tip to buy a low cost index fund or an ETF, a vanilla ETF on the blue chip shares, and I better start reading fine print straight away. And um, the point I'm trying to make here is about highlighting the very different requirements in these two areas. When in 2020. They have resembled each other very, very closely. Yeah. Especially um, when punting on sport was couldn't happen throughout yeah. throughout uh, much of the year because 
uh, the sporting leads were, were closed. A lot of people turned from betting on sport to, to punting on the stock market. Yeah, you had the um, convergence of people with a lot of time being able to draw down super, not being able to punt yep. on sport, and technology enabling more accessible, affordable ways to buy shares, and penny stocks being really attractive to some people, um, and volatility being sort of candy to, to, to others, and the media telling about all the big um, wins in the market and whatnot. You have a, a recipe for um, people to get engaged, but also uh, taking on a lot of risk. Um, okay, well, on with the main topics for this episode. Pat, I want to talk about something that's very much in your wheelhouse, being an American. And uh, that is, what's the bigger issue for international markets right now? Is it the question mark over COVID? Or is it the question mark on this upcoming US election in two months? So um, actually, Pat, before you answer, let's break it down. What outcome has more uncertainty? Um, I think the... We know there's going to be an election in the U.S. We don't know who's going to win. Yep. Um, we know that we don't know when a vaccine might um, surface, but we know one will eventually. So I think there's on that level, there's probably more uncertainty in the U.S. election. Um, there's uncertainty around when the vaccine will come. Um, but I think the reality is there is a lot of uncertainty around who might win this U.S. election, which 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 might startle some people, but is where we are today, unfortunately. People might think it's very binary in this this election. In the U.S., correct me if I'm wrong, it's always the same date. Uh, you know, in, in November, yeah. yeah. Yeah, late November, whatever it is. People may, may think it's very binary. Someone wins or someone loses. But from what we do hear from time to time, there could be a third scenario where, say, someone was to lose but refuse to acknowledge... Yeah may not move on yeah. and the the flow-on effect for what that might could mean. And um, Pat, you know, friends and family back in the US, uh, do people think that this is a, a potential scenario that could happen? I think that's probably what people expect. Um, if, it's, if, it, if the election outcome is close either way, I think the expectations are that there will be a very contentious argument probably going to the legal courts as to the validation of the process. And that's really a function uh, of, of two things. One being the impact COVID's having on the efficiency of the election process and therefore the ability to somebody to say it wasn't efficient. And two, the role of, and this is sort of related, but the role of mail-in ballots and again, how valid those might be or not. And it's a really... Unfortunately, it's a pretty sad state of play in the states right now with regard to what each party is trying to do to either enable or not enable an efficient process to happen to then be able to argue or not argue as to whether or not the actual tally at the end of the day on the day is in fact a true and fair result. So I did read actually a, a, a bit the other day where both parties are spending well over 50% of their arsenal of money right now on the legal post-election preparation as opposed to um, uh, campaigning and, yep. and, and promotion, so to speak, because they're expecting a battle. Gee, it's... Uh, How's that for a positive <laughs> note? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, 
you know, in, over in here in Australia, um, you know, we, we're, we're very much got our own political system and everything like that. But the reality is um, the epicenter of the, of the financial world is in the US and there's a flow on yeah. effect. So, Pat, I don't know the, the history of the, of the US political parties and, and, and um, elections anywhere near as well as you do. But we, we have seen some from previous elections where there hasn't been an immediate uh, result Correct me if I'm wrong. With what's his name? With um, Gore and yeah, Bush, and yeah, that, Gore and that, Bush. The hanging chads in yeah. on, on the votes, and yeah, that was a, a, a very messy. For those not not familiar with what happened there, was it was it about six weeks? There was a uh... oh, at least, and and without going into great detail, the, the U.S. Um, election process is reliant on what's called electoral uh, college votes, which means each state sort of gets a certain number of representatives to cast ballots. So it's not just counting up the number of votes. It's actually on a state-by-state basis. And what happened was a a few states, including Florida, Mm -hmm. which has a very large number of electoral, a a high influence on the outcome, uh, there was debate as to whether basically the numbers had been counted right. And who won or lost Florida had a massive impact on the outcome of the election. And it took, yeah, it took a couple months for the, and I think the Supreme Court eventually had to weigh in. Uh, it's going to be quite fascinating to watch. And um, the other th- the other talking point that I want to make about uh, upcoming U.S. elections is in the previous ones that I've, I've kept an eye on, there's always been a bit of a narrative that if a new president was to come in, that it would be very negative for the stock market. And it was a narrative that was out there for, um, for Obama. Uh, it was also a narrative that was thrown out there if Trump was to be yeah, elected and yeah. look what happened. Yeah. And we, to be fair, we saw that for about six hours, yeah. you know, when the, <laughs> when the stock market first opened up and, and, and then it, we, it swung very quickly and we've had this, well, with the exception of COVID, we've had this bull market yeah. throughout his time. So um, there is a bit of a, that narrative playing out again, if Biden is to win, but who knows? I, I think on that point, Ted, it, it, if I had to generalize it, um, it's it's in part whether a new president is elected, but it, it it also has a lot to do whether it's Democratic or Republican president. And again, generalizing, the Republican Party is considered more pro-business um, than the Democrat Party. So if a new president is a Democratic president, then um, in a normal situation, that would be viewed as a, as a negative for, for, for the markets. We are in anything but a normal situation right now. Yeah, well, let's let's move on from uh, that topic to to another talking point, and that's around two ETFs that I want to discuss right now, and that is uh, I'm going to do a little compare the pair here, Pat, with two international ETFs that both follow the same in- index. It's VGS and VGAD, and um, I just want to provide people a bit of um, a backdrop on those two ETFs. So they both follow the same index, the MSCI World um, X Australia Index with uh, dividends reinvested. Issued by Vanguard. It, yeah, yep. both got the same issuer, issued, issued by Vanguard. Now, we hit the, uh, the low of this year was around late March. Since that low, VGS is up 23% and VGAD is up 56%. So if you're playing along at home, how is that possible? 
So Pat, we both know the answer to this. So, uh, <laughs> so Pat, I'm, uh, I'm wondering what I should chime in. Yeah, here. so Pat, chime in. What is the difference between these two ETFs? Uh, one is hedged and one is unhedged with regard to um, foreign exchange exposure. When you are making any investment in an overseas um, company or ETF or managed fund or the like, then um, offshore um, earnings and dividends have to convert into Australian dollars. So the foreign exchange rate has an impact. You can hedge that exposure out of the investment returns at a cost. Uh, used to be quite expensive. It's less expensive than it used to be. Um, I might just interject there. So VGS, the one that's v- mm-hmm. not v- hedged, yep. is 18 uh, basis points. So uh, for every $10,000 you're investing, it's going to cost you $18. Yep. Uh, whereas VGAD is currency hedged, and that's 21 basis points is the uh, the fee or uh, the MER. Yep. And um, so the difference between the two is $3 yep. um, to get a currency hedge. Um, sorry to interrupt there. No, that's, no that's all right. I think as your, all of your listeners will probably know, currencies move around a bit. And um, and so if you're investing overseas, that is a an element of risk that you take. That can work. I think part of where you're headed with this is my guess is that can work for you and that can work uh, against you. Um, if you don't want to take that risk, you can pay a little bit to remove that exposure. Um, some would argue that currency exposure is a form of diversification itself. Part of the reason uh, these happen to be two ETFs that Six Park use in its portfolio construction, um, and we do believe that a measure of foreign exchange exposure is a form of investment diversification. But we do manage how much of that exposure, so we use both of these ETFs, which is which is part of the reason Ted's across their performance pretty well. well yeah, I I do think it's quite interesting because you may have a view that you want to buy uh, an international. ETF to get exposed to international markets, but there's a lot of variables in there. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. uh, both with the the underlying companies within that ETF, um, interest rates, yep. um, currency, and it's a bit like um, if you want to try and predict what the ETF might do, along with the currency, it's a, it's a bit like doing a, a billiard shot where you've got a multiples. Yeah. yeah, you've got to hit one ball yeah. onto another and get it in the hole. So, um, yeah, and as you touched on, Pat currency movements they can work for you or against yeah. you so what i'm pointing out here is uh vgad has had a, had a bigger bounce off the bottom yeah um however I, on the on the way down it didn't incur the same um um crash that yeah. like uh, vgs did I, I think at the low that where you where you note the aussie dollar was probably in the high 60 cents yeah, yeah, possibly around um there. and it's strengthened by I think probably close to 20% since then which would be um, beneficial for VGAD and neutral for VGS which would which would explain a, a pretty much all of that difference uh, we mentioned disclosures at the at the start of the start of the show and and uh, Pat also touched on that uh, these are within six park portfolios and and Pat and I both have investments within six park so um, I should mention that we both own these ETFs. Yep. Pat, the Six Park Investment Advisory Committee uh, met recently. Could yep. you provide just a, a couple of um, key points that yeah. was uh, mentioned? Yeah, sure. Um, probably the top line note is that we didn't change asset allocations. Um, the Investment Committee meets uh, at least every uh, two months. And 
uh, in short, determined that there, there was no material new data to suggest that we should be changing asset allocation. So um, that was the, the decision on that front. Maybe just a couple of interesting points to note that were discussed. Um, uh, Lindsay Tanner raised uh, the term revenge consumption, which, which I think is an interesting one. Um, and in short, some of the Asian countries that have, a, that have recovered you know, so to speak, from, like a South Korea or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, from the from the coronavirus, at least for now, um, saw a reasonably sharp rebound in consumer spending, um, and it's sort of been labeled revenge consumption, which is obviously you know you hold people up for a while and then let them go, and they start spending a lot of money. Um, there's a lot of focus on whether that'll happen in the much bigger developed countries um, when the um, restrictions are lifted. So that's just an area of focus because that'll be a, you know, consumers have been a big driver of economic outcomes, which have been a big driver of share markets. And the other thing I think that probably is just worth noting in summary, there is a pretty extensive watch list that the investment committee looks at. I'd say whether the vaccine, the development of the vaccine um, surprises on the upside in terms of pace of development and distribution or surprises on the downside in terms of timing, was probably singled out as the biggest, probably the biggest driver of where things are headed um, in the future versus, say, you know, obviously the U.S. election and other aspects are, are important. But the vaccine, you know, sooner rather than later and how the market will respond to that was probably something that just got a lot, a lot of airtime. Yeah, and rightly so. Well, yeah, very interesting. Um, Pat, at the time of the recording, uh, you know, late September, after the crazy six months we've just had, um, it's more, especially with the U.S. markets, define crazy. A bull. Sorry and, to put you on the spot there, Ted. A bull and bear market yeah, 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 in yeah, such yeah. a such a small period of yep, time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I can define crazy in so many ways. But that's that's how I, was, I meant for that. Um, we're actually experiencing a little pullback in the U.S. Yep. market right yep. now, and. Australia, not so much, probably because we don't have the um, the large exposure to uh, te- the tech industries like um, the US do. But the point I'm tr- I want to make here is, if this was 2017, that year when there was just hardly any volatility, yeah, this would be major news. But considering what we and the world's just been through, yeah, it's all relative. Who, who cares <laughs> yeah. about it? Like a seven or a ten yeah. percent correction. So, um, I've, I've I found that quite interesting that you get a little level of resilience. Yeah. Well, I think what it does is it highlights how different sectors are driving um, indices. Uh, you already mentioned that the tech sector was was a big driver of both the, the ride up and to some extent the ride down and the correction. But underneath that, there have been some sectors that have actually performed well when the broader indices have gone down and vice versa. Um, so I think what you're seeing is different sectors in the market kind of all over the place, which speaks to that volatility as opposed to kind of broadly speaking, the market's gently going up and down and whatnot. And so I think people are almost kind of numb to some of these events, or at least just consider them part of the normal daily activity of the markets now. Yeah. Uh, Let's move on to another talking point. Um, uh, I receive emails from ShareSite. ShareSite, for those not familiar, a a great... um, reporting fintech uh, and to be um, transparent um, six-part clients uh, 
get access to a, a share side account to be able to to track and, and monitor uh, portfolios, their yeah. portfolio. So it's um, um, they send out a, uh, I think it's a monthly email or something like that. And yeah. um, last week I saw one, and, and within the uh, the email, ShareSite just kind of um, provided um, an update as to what their most actively traded actively yeah. traded stocks were over the over the course of the past week or two, and um, I expected to see uh, Pat. You know, people are very rational. I assume a, a CSL or a CDA. Anyway, not these days. So anyway, it turns out it was this company by a long way too. I should add, Brainship, yeah. which I'd never heard of before, and um, it started September off. So I, I looked into it. It started September off at forty cents. Ten days later, it had pretty much doubled. Uh, up to the high seventies, I believe. Yep. And six days after that, it was back down to to forty cents. And this is, it, to be fair, it's no CSL or CBA, but you know, it's got a market cap of six hundred million or something yep. like that. So, so yep. you know, there's there's something behind this with um with all these trades, and I just couldn't get over that this was the the most actively traded company. And I looked into what they do, and Pat, this is what they do. They They've got a center that concentrates on software and firmware development to support the company's work on the Akita Neuromorphic System on Chip, which is an acronym they use as ANSOC. It's it's AI technology that is Pat. There were that many buzzwords I, I couldn't work out what was going on. And and to be fair, I don't know much about this business. But I was like, this is certainly outside of most people's circle of competence. Yeah. How is this the number one traded stock? Um, Pat, uh, I, very, I went back to check why the company halved in six days. And um, uh, the, the, the news article I read uh, was, while Brainchip is making progress with some exciting technologies, it still has a long way to go before it proves it has a marketable end product and is generating meaningful revenue. Yeah. I was like, gee, it's... How did it go this way? How, yeah. you know, how has that got to be? Uh, the number the number one traded stock so um, I'll, I'll keep an eye on Brainchip and, and to be fair I know nothing about this company but yeah, I, I, yeah. I found that an interesting example of something that is just so volatile right now with probably possibly a bit of herd mentality oh uh, definitely I, people rushing in and people getting out quickly yeah I, I had a look too when you mentioned it Ted I, I think it's actually almost a perfect example of um Retail and the, the the kind of activity that retail investors are getting, which is why it was the top of the list on ShareSite. So what are the attributes of the company? Tech-driven, uh, a lot of acronyms, a contract with NASA at one point. Oh, really? Yes. Um, and, you know, biotechs lose a lot of money, but they've got a lot of pers- perspective value creation if, if, if what they're developing pays off. So it's a story that becomes uh, hype and momentum. Yep. Which, which I think you touched on. So a lot of retail retail investors jump in and then it kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And all it takes is profit-taking and a little negative news um, or, or you know, people reading what you just read um, and it can turn on a dime. Um, and 600 million is not small, but it's small on the grand scheme yeah. of things. Yeah, fair point. Um, Pat, let's move on from that. And we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Um, in the in previous times we've caught up, uh, we've touched on whether it could be a V-shaped recovery, a W-shaped recovery, or some other 
some other letter. There was a letter that's being thrown out there by the Wall Street Journal of a letter that I didn't think was possible. And that is a K-shaped yeah, recovery. Yeah. And um, for those who are trying to work out how um, that is possible, well, it's to, it's to acknowledge that there are some sectors and portions of society um, that hasn't been as bad as yeah. others. So uh, in particular, uh, the wealthy who, um, yeah. who are usually um, lucky enough to be able to work from home yeah. um, and probably more likely to have retained their job compared to the, you know, the people not so well off that have either lost their job or uh, continue to need to be working uh, and doing their job out in the economy and, and dealing with the um, potential risks that that can have on their health. So, yeah, very sad that we're seeing seeing that play out. Uh, there's been a couple of things pop up which has kind of confirmed this, where we know we're in a recession, but Louis Vuitton have made a face mask <laughs> that they're trying to flog oh, for thirteen hundred yeah. bucks, and they'll probably find and there'll be a lot of buyers. Yeah, at that. Yeah. And the other one is. Qantas, their flight to nowhere, yeah, where yeah. you can get the economy seat for eight hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, I think I think the uh, business class is in the vicinity of uh, three or four grand. Take off and land at the same spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and do a couple of flybys of some um, interesting spots. You'd really hope that you uh, you got a, a window seat on that flight and then not in the middle. Yeah. Um, but, but that Pat, that that flight sold out in record time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I got I've got to give credit to Qantas because. You know, tourism industry and, and the um, aeronautical industry is facing some incredible challenges. So yeah. good on them for getting creative. But yeah. I, th- I think the um, I think what what's been really interesting, sad, a lot of different things um, about watching this whole COVID mess unfold because it's never done this in this way before, where the economy has basically been entirely shut down and um, jobs and industry and everything, virtually everything is that the process of the reopening is um, it has been a much more efficient, for lack of a better way, um, mechanism to demonstrate which industries are going to um, have been resilient, to use the, the word you said, and which industries have gotten absolutely hammered. Um, because you've basically stopped the clock and, and then slowly said, okay, we're going to start, let, we're going to start having things return to normal. It surfaces quite quickly who the beneficiaries are going to be and who are not going to be the beneficiaries. The beneficiaries get to normal first. So the um, software, technology, high-end retail, which you just mentioned, um, and professional services industries have um, fared relatively well, whereas the travel, entertainment, hospitality, food, uh, not so much. Yeah. And, and so when you think about it, the K, mm. you know, one up, one down, is actually pretty, you know, pretty pretty relevant. Yeah. All right. Let's let's move on to another talking point, and um, that's around what if this happened ten years ago? And um, Pat, let's go back to two thousand eleven. What you know? What if this was to happen in two thousand eleven? Um, you know, internet is nowhere near as, as strong as it is, but um, people would be rushing to to Skype. Yeah. Um, it was by far. Uh, the biggest, most prevalent form of yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, let's let's go back in uh, 2011. Microsoft buys Skype for eight and a half billion dollars. And uh, if I was to tell you that in nine years' time, there's going to be a global pandemic, Pat, and everyone's going to have to work from home on their computers, um, talking to each other through the internet, etc. Yeah. 
there'd be people going all in on yeah. Skype yeah. because of what it would mean. And here we are, and we've got what's Zoom. Skype? We've got yeah. yeah, what's Skype? We've got Zoom. We've got Google Meets. We've got Microsoft Teams. Yeah, um, Skype's not even on the podium there. Yeah, and the point I'm trying to make is predicting the future is bloody hard. Yeah, yeah. in 2021, next year, July, um, Skype's going to be shut down for good. Yeah, um, history will repeat what we've seen in. Actually, I've got a little question for you, Pat. Yeah. 1968, the biggest brand in the world was Coke. Actually, you, you might have seen my, my notes here. What was this? I didn't actually. Okay. I'm, I'm, on, I'm truly on the spot on this okay. one. Okay. What was the second biggest brand in the world? In 1968. Yeah. So you're asking me what I was, well, I won't say what, when I was X years old. Anyway, it was the largest and most profitable airline in the world at the time. It was Pan Am. Pan Am, okay, yeah. Pan Am, and it finished up in 1991. Yeah. So, like I said before, predicting the future is bloody hard. Who knows what it'll be next? Like, yeah. Here we are talking about how good Apple, Amazon, and some of these huge tech companies are. Yeah. Um, well, in particular, Amazon, they don't even make a profit. You know, yeah. in 10 or 20 yeah. years' time, we could look back at this and go, what were we thinking? You know, yeah, yeah. that's well, just the nature of your um, business. Um, I, I sent you an email this morning, Ted, highlighting the, the um, fact that Google was down for a little while this morning. I'm not suggesting that in nine years, Google's not going to exist. But in nine years, we might be having a podcast like this saying, who would have thought Google was going to go down? You know, um, I, I don't know. The pace of change in technology is obviously very quick. And what's works well and is hot today could be gone in a couple of years i think that speaks to diversification investment diversification being so important exactly yeah you put all your eggs in one basket yeah who knows if you've got a pan am yeah exactly. or, or a skype yeah um or an amazon okay, yeah who, who knows um all right let's let's uh, wrap up this conversation with a, a bit on what we've been doing um away from work what we're watching reading and listening to i pat Actually, before I get onto that, I read an article, um, and I thought you might find this interesting, uh, as someone noted that there was a high correlation with the anti-vax movement and anti-vax people yep. and whole food stores. <laughs> and um, I know there's, a, there's always a, di a difference between a correlation and a causation. Yeah, um, yeah. And in no way am I saying stores um, cause this view, but I thought the um, this is best summed up by Bill Gates that um, once said that the irony of health is that success breeds complacency. And yeah. um, I just thought, are there lessons we can learn from success breeding complacency when it comes to investing? Um, in particular, successful day traders making money, you know, in, in 2020 and, and, and what they've been up to for those that have been keeping an eye on what's been going on, on with Tesla this year. Yeah. Um, People may also be familiar with a. There's a company by the name of Nikola, yes. who are, oh, which is which is. Well, there's a lot going on in that space, but um, uh, Nikola Tesla. What did he invent? The uh, I, I forget so, what some sort of battery cell. Or yeah, something yeah, like yeah, that's that. behind yeah. the electric car. Yeah, yeah, and um, um, it, well, it wasn't the light bulb, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and some other bloke did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Tesla 
having the huge success that they are, um, someone's just gone and thought up, well, I'm just going to create a, a business that's going to um, make a, a hydrogen fuel cell that's going to be put in trucks and I'm going to call it by the uh, Tesla's first name, Nikola, and see how the market responds. Yeah. And did the market lap it up there for a while? Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I was meant to be talking about what we're watching, reading, and listening to. Pat, I, um, I, I smashed Yellowstone. Went through all three or four series very quickly there. Yeah. Um, big fan of that. Um, it's made me really appreciate that northwestern corner of america which i, I i've been to seattle it's, cool. it's, it's gorgeous up there yeah, yeah like um is it jackson hole up there jackson the- hole is in wyoming yeah that's um one of the most beautiful places you could ever go um yeah that that whole area up there is quite pristine and and um gorgeous yeah so for those those not familiar with um yellowstone it's it's about a a wealthy family and, and their ranch in montana and, and i think i think it might be a tax haven too I think it's it's that it's also there's not there aren't many places left in America where you can get um, uh, big vast swaths of beautiful country um, and that's one of them. So people with a lot of money are buying up a big a lot of property. Yeah, it's it's quite a fat, quite a quite an entertaining um, series. So I recommend. I, I haven't seen that one actually. Yeah, yeah I'm I'm not here to flog uh, uh, subscription services, but it's on Stan. So. Uh, <laughs> Pat, anything you've been watching? Uh, well, the gridiron season has somehow managed to get itself off the ground. Um, so um, I am a bit of a U.S. football tragic. So that has um, just kicked off, which is great. Um, the other thing, probably not so much in terms of TV, but uh, one thing that I'm noticing is, and it gets back to some of the stuff we talked about before, that I'm, I'll be fascinated to watch is is the wellness industry. Um, So this is a bit of a tangent to your question. Um, And I say it because I've got a lot of friends who are, you know, yoga instructor and instructors who are into meditation and other stuff. And they've obviously been forced to go on online for a lot of stuff, which is really sort of hypercharged the online industry of wellness. Um, And I think that's going to be a fascinating one to watch play out as people realize they can do a lot of stuff online um we're seeing apple get into that space yeah i believe yeah. with a, a part of a a bundle that they're putting together to to go up against peloton yeah. um we're seeing we're seeing lululemon yep. get, yeah uh, exactly a, a clothing brand get into that space space with their acquisition of mirror yep really fascinating um product uh and interesting that uh a clothing brand we'll yeah. to that who who knows like nike looked to be quite um forward thinking yep. so who, who knows if, if they're going to try and um, I think enter this space i think there'll be a lot of activity on that front because um i, I don't think um in-person classes are going to go away but certainly the um sort of the playing field of how that whole industry works is going to change and i think i didn't mention this to you earlier but i'm going to throw it out there perpetual here's i'm throwing a curveball at you now ted perpetual did a real big investor survey not long ago, about what keeps you up at night. And there were three that were at the top, three categories at the top that were a bit ahead of all others. I'm assuming there's a bit of a segue here from health, Pat. (laughs) To some extent. Okay. Um, Financial, family, um, well, and health? Uh, 
Yeah, you're you're two out of three. So one was covered. Oh yeah, one was what keeps you up at night, covered. The other was mental and physical health, and the third was financial wellness. Ah. So yeah. Um, so all having a wellness dimension to them. Um, I think this society obviously has gotten a bit more stressful in the last six months. That'll be an interesting industry to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. I I, I enjoy it because. It is the it's something where technology is bringing more and more with like say with the the recent Apple Watch and what that's doing for our oxygen oxygen concentration in blood yep. etc. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating space. Yeah, Pat, uh, this is not something that I intended to bring up, <laughs> uh, but I had to get a, a health check recently and um, I, I got my blood pressure checked. Yeah, and um, um, so uh, done at the chemist with by a pharmacist and he, he put the, um, the the sleeve on my um, on my arm and. As he's doing it, um, there's someone standing next to me who's uh, trying to shoplift, and the pharmacist is having a go at at the uh, the, the client or whatever, and yeah. and he's having a go back, and then the machine stops, and uh, he goes, uh, "Your blood pressure's up," and I was, <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, "Hang on, was that because of what was going on?" I was like, "I was getting, I was getting ready, like I yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. I was." Uh, I was uh, I was bracing for uh, things to escalate here, yeah. so um, yeah, made sure we we got a, we got another check there. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, we I, we have drifted from. Uh... No, I actually think it's a quite. I, I'm actually glad we touched on it to be candid. Mm. I think this concept of wellness, um, both from a business and investment, and from a um, societal perspective, actually is going to be a really important one going mm. forward. I'm glad we touched on it. Well, there's a podcast that I want to um, give a shout out to that. Uh, many of you actually may be familiar with, but if you're not, um, Smartless by um, our three American comedians um, is fascinating. It, it is it is awesome. It's Jason Bateman, uh, Will Arnett, and oh, I forget the uh, third third guy's name, but um, it's it's great. And I, I suggest you start off with the episode where the three of them interview Will Ferrell. And uh, oh, do, do, yourself, do yourself a favor, chuck the headphones on, listen to that, and um, uh, make sure you're in a in a room where you can laugh out loud because um, uh, it's it, it's uh, it's fantastic. Anyway, um, uh, let's let's wrap it up there, Pat. It's been a fantastic. Uh, it's been a good discussion, and um, I just want to acknowledge um, the major football codes here in Australia, Pat, who uh, have now um, pretty much at the end of their home and away season. And uh, what the the great the great job that they've been able to do to get this through? Yeah, it glo- have, it's not easy. A global pandemic uh, in in the AFL with just the one hiccup where where um, when I say hiccup, the one game that needed to be um, rescheduled. But um, I think it's a great effort, and it's sports not everything, but it has provided a little level of normality, very, very much of an outlet for people. Yeah, here. yeah. So um, uh, let's let's wrap it up there. Pat, thank you very much again for joining us for another episode of the Richards Report. Look forward to the next one. Thanks, Ted. Well, it's 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 quite interesting you say looking forward to the next one. Uh, possibly one of my all-time favourite guests is on the Pat. I, I, don't, I don't mean that. No. <laughs> any disrespect. I wasn't referring to myself. No, but, but um, I was going to say he's an international. But Pat, so so are you, even though you've been here in a long time. But um, make sure you subscribe. It's going to come out in a couple of weeks. So. Um, Uh, I'll leave it there. Thanks very much. See you next time on The Richards Report.